The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. While Governor Charlie Baker cruised to re-election last week, one thing he hasn't found so simple is a legislative victory for his housing bill, filed a year ago next month, aimed at spurring housing production. It's one of the pieces of legislation that didn't make it through the crush at the end of formal sessions. Supporters are still pushing for it to get through. Katie Lannon, you've been following this this week. What's the latest here? Yeah, that's right, Sam. You know, when it came to education and healthcare, the end of those bills or the failure of those bills to get through at the end of session, really, that was it. But the housing bill is still something supporters are hoping to keep alive. That came up at the uh, local government advisory commission meeting this week where a group of municipal officials said they're urging lawmakers to still get this bill through, that an opportunity still exists in these uh, few remaining weeks, believe it or not, of 2018, to get this bill into law. And they want the administration to seize the opportunity to push for it. And interestingly, Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito seemed receptive to that, you know, saying she'd talk with them about strategy and maybe how to find a way to get it through. So what's the exact status of this bill? Uh, and how likely are we to see it move in these last few weeks of the 190th General Court? Well, good question. People <laughs> don't seem to be willing to declare it dead yet. Um, but it's hard to say really where it is beyond that. You don't see many signs of life, as it were. It's one of many bills that remain in uh, the House Ways and Means Committee. And the, the question there will really be what Chairman Sanchez chooses to bring to the floor in what's really his own last few weeks as a legislator. Right. And of course, what Speaker DeLeo, it's a House bill, what Speaker DeLeo wants to get done. It's hard to say who the opponents are at this point. Um, that's something the supporters point out. There's no announced opposition. There's some concerns that have been raised about it lacking an affordability component um, because the bill would lower the threshold for local zoning changes. There's some uh, sort of local control purists who don't like that idea. So the the Mass Municipal Association and other groups continue to beat the drum for this bill. Um, and if it doesn't pass this year, there is some interest um in refiling it. But the wrinkle there, the Mass Municipal Association says that because of the way town meetings work, you know, they're usually in either the spring, the fall, or both. They're very rigid schedules there. If it's not done this year, it's not going to be a matter of months before these zoning changes are made and more housing starts being built. It would be another year. So that's why they're really pushing for it this session, these last few weeks. Before spring town meeting warrants are set. Exactly. They're hoping to, you know, those March, April, May town meetings maybe have the, the chance to do some action then. All right. We'll be watching. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Sam. And we also have uh, Matt Murphy and Colin Young here with us this Friday afternoon. Hi, folks. Hey, Sam. Hey. Now, Colin, there are some new numbers out today from the Department of Public Health in terms of uh, opioid overdose-related deaths this year. Uh, opioid overdose deaths have seen a very small decrease in the first nine months of this year, but still more than 1,500 so far in 2018. 
Could you break down for us some of the new state data out this Friday and and uh, the effects of the opioid epidemic uh, that have stretched into the business world, which is something uh, that we've covered this week? Yes, yeah, Sam. So the Department of Public Health uh, announced Friday that through the end of September, uh, more than five people per day have uh, died from confirmed or suspected opioid-related overdoses. Uh, it's a total of 1,518 people so far this year. Uh, that's down uh, just a tick, as you mentioned, uh, from the 1,538 deaths over the same time period in 2017. Uh, overdose deaths specifically related to heroin are falling, while deaths involving fentanyl continue to soar. Uh, in the second quarter of 2018, heroin, or likely heroin, was present in 37% of opioid overdose, overdose deaths compared to 71% a few years ago in 2014. Uh, meanwhile, fentanyl, the, the powerful synthetic opioid, uh, has been present in 90% of opioid overdose, overdose deaths in which a toxicology screen was available so far this year. Uh, and uh, you mentioned uh, the impacts on the business world, Sam. Earlier this week, the Mass Taxpayers Foundation released a report uh, that highlighted what it called the severe impacts of the opioid crisis on businesses. Uh, the report found that opioid misuse and overdoses have cost employers an average of $2.7 billion a year in lost productivity among workers and an estimated $2.1 billion in excess health care costs related to opioid usage. And over the last seven years, opioids have kept uh, more than 32,000 people from participating in the Massachusetts labor force. And the productivity lost due to those people being kept out of the workforce has cost an average of $5.9 billion annually. Uh, and that annual loss is about 1.3% of the total gross state product. Uh, and it's three times as great uh, of the loss of pr in productivity uh, due to opioids as was in the year 2000. Oh, gee. So uh, what was the purpose of this Mass Taxpayers report, and uh, what does the group hope will come from uh, this work and the conference this morning? Yeah, the group uh, MTF held a, a conference Friday morning uh, with the governor, attorney general, and there was a, um, uh, a taped interview with Congressman Joe Kennedy uh, talking about uh, sort of where to go from here after uh, learning the impacts on businesses. Uh, MTF said it hoped that its research and its report uh, would spur business leaders to get more involved on this front, uh, realizing that it's not simply a public health issue, uh, that this is, is something that affects businesses um, and could affect businesses' bottom lines. Uh, group said that Massachusetts businesses could lose a competitive edge if the opioid epidemic isn't uh, slowed here. All right. Thanks, Colin. Thanks. Turning our attention to the Merrimack Valley, recovery from the gas explosions has been a slow-moving saga since the disaster erupted in mid-September. And now, with the holidays just around the corner, this coming Monday was the original deadline for gas service to be fully restored. Uh, Matt Murphy, you've been covering this. Uh, where do we stand with uh, this deadline uh, coming up on Thanksgiving week when a lot of families would like to have service back? 
You're right, Sam. The original deadline was supposed to be November 19th for full restoration. Uh, as you know, and as we've uh, probably talked about here, uh, that deadline had to be pushed out into December. Uh, the new deadline now, December 16th, uh, for full residential and business restoration of gas and heat services in those uh, three towns in the Merrimack Valley. But uh, the update uh, this week, uh, just out this morning, uh, 56% of uh, total homes restored now and 73% of total businesses, but that still leaves about 3,400 households in the Merrimack Valley without heat. And, uh, you know, we just need to look outside the window to know that uh, winter isn't just coming. It is here, uh, and it is cold, and Thanksgiving holiday is here. So a lot of people going into Thanksgiving week uh, without heat. Now, uh, both the House and Senate said back a month ago that they would like to have joint hearings on this issue. Uh, What's the latest with that this week? Yeah, now that the elections are over, it seems that the party unity is starting to dissipate a little bit, and the House and Senate, back to their old tricks, uh, they're squabbling a bit over how to proceed uh, with these natural gas issues that have cropped up over the past several months. And uh, as you say, on October, uh, middle of October, the House and Senate announced jointly that they wanted to hold oversight hearings into what happened in the Merrimack Valley and into the state of the uh, Massachusetts natural gas infrastructure statewide. Uh, what we heard this week was from the Senate alone announcing that they were going to go ahead uh, with hearings uh, scheduled for December 4th here in Boston to look at uh, natural gas infrastructure and more specifically on December 17th uh, to get into the uh, Merrimack Valley incident and what happened up there. And why are they moving ahead without the House? That's a little unclear. They haven't really said, nor have they really fleshed out how these hearings will work. They say that Senator Mike Barrett is supposed to lead these. Uh, Mike Barrett, of course, the senator from Lexington, who co-chairs the Telecommunications, Utilities, and Energy Committee, uh, and he will be spearheading these, but we don't know the other senators who will be participating. And his fellow co-chair, Rep. Tom Golden, a Lowell Democrat, says that the House has been talking about hearings, uh, wants to have hearings, would still be open to participating with the Senate, uh, but they are reacting, according to Golden at least, to requests from officials in the Merrimack Valley, including people like Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera, who asked them not to hold any hearings until everyone was back in their houses with full utilities restored. They don't want to distract these utilities like Columbia Gas from uh, getting people's service back up and running uh, before they start answering the political questions that are sure to come from lawmakers. And indeed, next week is Thanksgiving. We will be uh, enjoying our turkey at home instead of takeout here on Beacon Hill. So we'll be uh, taking a week off from the takeout. Look forward to seeing you the week after next. And uh, folks, uh, let's go around quickly. Since since we will be uh, abstaining from takeout next week, what's our uh, favorite leftover use for our Thanksgiving meal. Oh, since I get to go first, I'm going to claim yeah. the, the turkey sandwich with all the fixings. Well, that would be the popular one, Colin. Just a second, Thanksgiving. Just a second one. <laughs> for, for the past couple of years, we've been making this pie with all the all the trimmings stuffed into a pie crust. Oh, my word. Sort of like a shepherd's pie, only like a Thanksgiving shepherd's pie. So that's what I'll be having. All right. Uh, I just eat cold scraps of turkey. <laughs> well, you can come over to my house, Sam. <laughs> all right. Have a good weekend, folks. Thanks, Sam. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.